You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. I want to welcome you to this series. We're in, we've been talking about managing our lives, learning to manage. We've gone over and over and over this. I want to continue to go over it. The definition of the word manage is to exert control over. So if we're managing our life, we're exerting control over it. And that's new idea for this era in history. We're victim. See, because this happened to me, then I just fly off the handle. I had no choice about it. Hold on. You can exert control over your mouth. You can exert control over your thoughts. See, you can exert control over your actions. Tim, I just blood boiled and I punched him in the nose. Okay, you didn't exert control over your fist, over your temper. Come on, we're talking about managing our life, and that's news to so many people who think you're just governed by whatever happens in our life. As Josh and Paul and I were putting this series together, that, and when we were talking about what is essential to go into this series, there was no question that we needed to spend some time studying and learning from Joseph's life. You can't talk about managing your life without talking about Joseph because he's a real example for us. I ask you to read chapter 37 through 50 in Genesis before we started this study. If you hadn't had a chance to do that, I want to encourage you. In this next week, read chapter 37 through 50, and if you have, read it again. You can never tire of reading this over and over and over. When we look at Joseph's life, I think the thing to point out before we dive into this is that Joseph was a mere red-blooded man. He was not God. He was not Jesus. He, He was not superhuman. He never walked on water. Well, yeah, that was Jesus that did that. Well, yeah, that was Jesus. Okay, I get that excuse, but what about this? He wasn't Jesus. He was just an ordinary, everyday man. He never performed a miracle. He was certainly not free from trouble in his life. He was not some untouchable saint. He was just a guy. Now, how did he do what he did? Well, how he did what he did was overcoming a lot of obstacles in his life. And this is crucial that we study this, especially in this era or in this mindset that we're in in this day and time. There's four points that we want to continue to see in these next three lessons as we are gaining some wisdom from Joseph First of all, we want to look at the fact that he maintained a right attitude in the midst of every situation he was in. He had great faith in God, not just when he was in church and the lights were down and the music was playing. He had great faith in God through all of the good times and through all of the bad times. And then the next thing I want to talk about is the fact that his faith in God led to a right attitude. Too often times we have faith in God, but it does not manifest in our temper. Yeah, we got faith in God, but it doesn't manifest in our depression or in our anger, in our moods. So we we got faith in God, but I don't see it manifesting in our life. Number four, our faith must make a difference in our attitude. 
Well, do you have faith? Oh, yes, yes, I, 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 I'm a believer. Well, we'll see when life goes, not, goes away that you don't want it to go. Yeah, well, I got faith. Well, we'll see if you have faith when life takes a turn on you. Okay, what made him so extraordinary that, that now think about this, that Moses spent almost 14 chapters in Genesis talking about him. Now, I don't know if this is a aha moment for you or not, but think about this. This was amazing, the amount of space that Moses gives to the life of Joseph. Wow. He's, he is a shepherd. He's number 12 of 13 children. We're going to look at how loneliness and rejection and false accusation, how being forgotten, all pushed Joseph to a greater life rather than ruining his life. As we read chapter 37 through 50, we're overwhelmed with how much bitterness he could justifiably be walking in. I mean, he had every reason in the world to be a bitter man, to be an angry person. You're talking about somebody who was justified in walking in a lot of unforgiveness toward people. Talking about somebody who could suffer from great low self-esteem, who could really suffer from rejection, but his life is like many people today. It begins with great parental failure and great sibling failure. That starts off his life. And many had a difficult childhood. Many had difficult time with their parents or a parent that wasn't what they should have been in your life. I mean, his life is just such an example to us. Yet, not one time ever, not never, not one time ever, do we ever see him blaming? Do we ever see him allowing what wrongly happened to him be his downfall? See, the the fact is, what happened to him was terribly wrong. Well, yeah, but Tim, you don't know what happened to me. It was terribly wrong. I'm not saying what happened to you was okay. What happened to you was horrible. What happened to you should have never happened. What happened to you was deplorable, but it can't be your downfall. It it can't be the reason that your life runs off of the tracks, that you become a drug addict, that you become a thug, that you become depressed, that you become suicidal. See, what happened to him was horrible. It was terrible. It was horrible in every way, yet it was not his downfall. Think about it. More space in Genesis is given to Joseph than to Adam, than to Eve, than to Noah. More space is given to him than to Abraham or to Isaac or even Jacob, his father. So there's some things that we need to know about in here if God's going to include this much information about one person's life. When we read Genesis chapter 37 through chapter 50, regardless of how Joseph was treated, in spite of unfair accusations, he refused to become resentful. He refused to become bitter. He he refused to become vengeful. A get even one of these days, I will get back 
at my brother or my father or my father or one of the see that you never see him wallowing in that and what a lesson what an example for us because we go to counseling today and they tell us it's okay to feel like we feel because after all look what we've been through See, what you are going through is very normal because, after all, look what you've been through. Let's go back and reanalyze your past, bring all of that back up, and see you are justified in your bitterness, in your hate, in your anger. Now, let's kind of work on how... We don't see any of that in Joseph's life. He just made a choice not to take on that attitude. All right, Joseph was born in a family that was on the move. They were on the move. Why? Because his father was fearing for what Esau, his brother, was going to do to him. Because his father had lied, had conned, and had stolen from his brother Esau. And so they're on the move. Okay, so Joseph is born into a really, really bad situation. We got trouble here from the very beginning. Now, Joseph's father, Jacob, lied, stole, and now he's playing favorites with his children. Now, you talk about a recipe for a disaster. When you start playing favorites with a child, well, then you set up everybody in the family for problems. Chapter 37, verse 4. The brothers hated Joseph. Okay, can you say not a very good start? This is a bad start in life right here. Right here is enough to stop the story and spend the rest of your life in therapy. The rest of your life, every Tuesday and every Thursday morning, you could go to therapy from now on for just this start in life. So we start off in chapter 37, verse 5, with Joseph having a dream, and verse 6, he tells it. Okay, just know this. Jealousy will always jump to a jealous conclusion. Envy will always jump to an envious conclusion. So when you tell anything to anybody that already is walking in jealousy, then you can expect a jealous conclusion to what you just said. I don't care what it is, when you say whatever you say to somebody that is, that is full of envy and you tell them anything, they're going to hear that in an envious way. That's why you, you feel so misunderstood. That wasn't in my heart. What you got to know is what was in their heart when they read that. What was in their heart when you said that. What is in his brother's heart is a bunch of jealousy Envy, hatred toward Joseph. So whenever Joseph told us from this dream, they didn't give high fives and everybody started hugging each other. People who dream dreams do great things. I was really impressed years ago. Terry and I went to California and we saw, I mean, we saw with our own eyes the Golden Gate Bridge. Now, if you've never seen that, it's, 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 it's more awesome because I, I'm a builder, and so I think about building the thing. I think about 
how you would ever even begin. Whoever dreamed of building that bridge across that. See, people who dream accomplish big things. I remember going to St. Louis and looking at that arch that goes way up. And I'm thinking, okay, how would I do that and build something like somebody dreamed that? Just several months ago, Terry and I went out to the Hoover Dam. If you've never seen that, it, it, I don't even know what to tell you. Uh, we just stood and just looked. You just, you just stare. You don't even have any words to say. That much concrete, that much manpower built that long ago, even before the technology and the resources that we have today, to build that. Somebody had a dream. Somebody had a dream. See, when you dream, it causes you to do things that others don't do. Joseph teaches us that in spite of the opposition, in spite of the ridicule, in spite of the hardship, in spite of the persecution, in spite of his upbringing, you never lose a dream that you have in your heart. We all are to have dreams in our heart. Now, let me just stop for a minute and let's quickly talk about dreams. Okay, first of all, there's a dream that you have in your sleep that is not from God. It is from tacos and jalapenos way too close to when you got in bed and laid down flat. All right, those are the most of the dreams we have. And if I don't want to have those kind of dreams, I don't eat a lot of jalapenos after 6 o'clock at night. Okay, we're eating way too much jalapenos on our pizza at 10.30 or 11 at night and laying down. Oh, I had a dream last night. I don't doubt it. Okay, so let's make sure you understand every dream you have, God was trying to tell me something. Yeah, he was telling you, my soneth, do not eateth that late at night. Okay, that's what he was telling you. So let's don't read a bunch of God stuff into your dream that you have because you ate too late at night. Okay, that's dream number one. Obviously, there are times when you're asleep when the Spirit of God does speak to you. And, and you were dealt in your heart by God and you woke up and you knew that the Lord was speaking to you. Many times at 3 o'clock in the morning, I've gone to get a pad and a pencil to write down what was on my heart in the middle of the night. So we do have those kinds of dreams. The third kind, we say, I've got a dream, but it really wasn't when I was in bed snoring. It was more of a, of a vision. It, it was more of, a, a, of, an, a, of an idea that was birthed inside me. And I have a dream one day of going or doing or accomplishing or being. So I've just got this dream. That doesn't mean that it was at 3 in the morning when I was sound asleep. Okay, so make, make sure when we're talking about dreams that you're able to categorize the dreams that you have and where they came from and where they didn't come from. God gave Joseph a dream. It was a God-breathed, God-given dream that was birthed in Joseph. Now, if we just skip real quick all the way to chapter 50 and read the end of the story, let me just tell you this. A God dream will always mean salvation for you, salvation for your family, and salvation for others. 
A God dream doesn't just make you a lot of money. See, a God dream ends up being a blessing to you, but a blessing to your family and a blessing to all of those around. So that, that you can follow the end of the story and know this was a God dream. A dream creates, and, and maybe we should use this word because we more relate to it rather than a dream. A dream, a, a, a dream causes or creates or is a vision. It's, it's a vision that I have. We have dreams in our heart from God. It, and it is those dreams that are to keep us, keep us moving forward. Those dreams keep us going into tomorrow regardless of what happened to us today. And, and you have to have these dreams of one day I want to, one day. See, right now, I've got a real dream in my heart of this classroom complex facility for Christian Ministries Academy. I, I'm just, and it keeps me getting up in the morning. It keeps me on the phone. It keeps me talking to people. It keeps me meeting people. It keeps me doing what I got to do because I've got, see, that's a dream. Now, somebody hurt my feelings. Somebody made me mad. Somebody's gossiping about me. I, I don't really have time to think about that because look, I'm, I'm after a dream here. And I, I'm just, I'm living till the day when lockers are on the side of those hallways and, and young lives are walking up and down the hallways of that classroom complex and they're going in and sitting in the teaching of Christian teachers. Are you, I'm just, I'm consumed with it. See, I'm consumed with it. Well, here's what that dream does. Somebody hurt my feelings yesterday. I really can't remember much about it. See, there's people around here that's gossiping about me and running me down. Get in line. There's a lot of people doing that. I mean, it, because, see, I don't have time to, oh, she said this about me. <laughs> she, I think they're talking about me. <laughs> I got to meet with an electrician over here, and we got to talk about the lighting in those classrooms. See, when you've got a dream in your heart, you're not crying over somebody hurting your feelings or talking about you or somebody not liking you. See, you get consumed with a dream. Joseph had a dream. Here's what you need to know. Tough times just come. They, they just come. I want you to read this because we don't have time. I'm just learning lessons here, but I don't have time to read all of these chapters to you in this story. But now, your brothers, brothers... Your brothers throw you in a pit, dip your coat in animal's blood, tell your dad some wild animal ate you, and then sell you to some slave traders going by. That's a bad day. That's just a really, that's a bad day. Well, pray for me, I've just had a bad day. You don't know what a bad day is. I'm going to just tell you. This is a bad day, okay? Oh, I'm just going through some things Read chapter 37. You find out what some things are like. The, the reason I love to study this, and I, the reason I love to look at Joseph's life, is we're talking about managing our own life, managing our own thoughts, managing our own, uh, our own responses to what happens to us during the day. And, and too often, what we went through is an excuse for my bitterness. See, I'm really, really angry right now, and I can tell you why. Here's the reason you're angry. You didn't control your anger. That's the reason you're angry. 
said, don't tell me this sad story about what happened to you. No, the reason you're angry is you didn't control your anger because sad stories happen to everybody all the time, all every day. Sad stories are just a dime a dozen. We don't need to hear your sad story. We need you to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. But what we go through during our day becomes an excuse for our hate, becomes an excuse for our dysfunction, becomes an excuse for our inability to relate to people around us. Well, Tim, as a child, let me tell you what he went through. See, let me tell you what Jesus did for him as a child. See, we're going to have to get our, 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 our faith lined up with what we went through as a child. Now, once again, and I don't mean to be so insensitive, and I'm always accused of being black and white, and you're just so insensitive to what people went through. Okay, we'll just sit around in a circle and sing Kumbaya, and we'll all cry about what you went through. I, I, I hate the fact that you went through that when you were 7 or 10. I hate what happened to you when you were 14. I, I, that, that's, uh, that's horrible what happened to you when you were 15. But you can't let that ruin your life. You can't let, we can't sit around, and I don't mean to come across as I'm teaching this, hard and cold and insensitive to your hurt and your pain and your need, but at some point in life, we have to put our big boy panties on. And we've got to not let what we went through derail our life and let that for our whole life, well, what he went through. Tim, do you know about his past? Do you, how long are we going to talk about that? How long will you let that derail you? And I draw such strength from Joseph because on my baddest of all bad days, my brothers didn't throw me in a pit and sell me to the slave traders. I mean, good grief. Proverbs 29, without a dream or without a vision or without a purpose in your life, people perish. That's what it says. You you perish when you don't have a purpose, a vision, a dream. What is in your heart is not easy to do and it will not happen easy or everybody would be doing it. See, building a classroom complex building with no money is not easy to do. If it was easy to do, everybody would build them one. What we're doing here is not easy to do. It takes toughness. It takes dedication. It takes perseverance. It takes assembling a group of people. See, what you have in your heart to do is not going to just be easy. And you need to know that. But a dream that you have in your heart, it drives you. It drives you. Okay, chapter 37, verse 5. He had a dream. His brothers mocked him. They made fun of him. And it says, they hated him all the more. All right, now you ready for this? Get this. Verse 9. Soon, Joseph dreamed another dream. After the first dream I had, and after the catching the you-know-what, I'm done with these dreams. See, here's the problem in life. You have a dream, and everybody doesn't just give you a bunch of high-fives and hug and kiss you. You had a dream, and they hate you more than they did before. You're ridiculed, you're mocked, you're laughed at, 
But what do you do? You just dream another dream. You gotta dream another dream. You gotta dream another dream. You can't let people's ridicule of you. You can't let people's gossip about you. You can't let other people and what they do or don't do derail you from having another dream. I had another dream. I had a dream of this auditorium here. We got it. I had another dream. We built some dorms out back. I had another dream. We're building a cast room. Come see all the hurt, all the pain, all the ridicule. I can't tell you the number of people that lined up to tell me you'll never build that auditorium in this swamp right here. You will never do that or you will suffer the consequence. I can't tell you the ridicule I got for an idea of putting that here. Y'all come visit us. We're here, baby. See, you, you dream another dream, and you just keep on, but you don't let people's mocking you and gossiping about you derail you. Do you know how many people have quit this church? We're still rolling. It's better than it's ever been before. We're still rolling, and it's better than it's ever been before. See, you, you don't let people finding what you do as offensive and hurtful and ridiculing you and condemning you, you don't let it derail you. I just, I'm I'm so overwhelmed by verse 9. Soon, Joseph had another dream. See, too many people, after what happened to him in his first dream, they ain't never dreaming another dream. If this is the way God is, forget God. If this is the way church is, you can forget church. I'm done with all this mess. You can have it. Now Joseph dreamed another dream. Oh, I love it. I love it. I tried to tell you what God put on my heart. You made fun of me. You mocked. You laughed. You hated me. Forget these God ideas. You can't be afraid to dream another dream. Verse 9. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. He was a slave in Potiphar's house. Go to chapter 39. Chapter 39, verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmael traders, Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Can you say bad deal? This is bad. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. I'm motivated by this story. This story motivates me like nothing I ever read. So he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All of his household affairs ran smoothly. His crops, his livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food he was going to eat. Only thing he had to think about was what was for supper. Wow. Now, let's think about this. Okay, let, let's now just stop, lean back in our recliner, stare at the ceiling, and let's think what we just read. Your brother sold you in slavery. They told, you, told your dad that a wild animal got you. 
Let me ask you, what was Joseph's attitude about the wrong that was done to him? Here's your options. Bitter, full of anger, sullen, mad at God, moping, depressed, suicidal. I mean, look at all he's been through. Hate, revenge, horrible attitude. I mean, look at the possibilities of attitudes here. And Potiphar notices him, and he's pleased with him. And Potiphar wants to be around Joseph. What does that tell us about the attitude that Joseph was walking in? What does that... That just speaks volumes to me. Out of all that you've been through, do all the other interns in the dorms want to be around you? Or is all the other interns at the dorms suffering and punished because of the upbringing you had? See, you're mad, you're sullen, you're bitter, you're angry. And so all the other interns have to deal with your bad attitude because of what you went through four years ago. Look at, look at, Joseph. Look at all that Joseph went through, yet Potiphar is drawn to this guy. Would you say he's happy? Would you say he had a spring in his step? Would you say he had a smile on his face? Would you say he's probably telling jokes when Potiphar was around? Would you say he was giving him high fives? Would you say he encouraged Potiphar? Would you say he was bragging on Potiphar? Do you say, hey, man, you're a good... I mean, what, was, what was the demeanor around there? Are you someone that others want to be around? Or the hurts and the injustices of life have taken you so far out, nobody wants to be around you. And when you walk up, everybody else walks away because of the hurts and the rejection and the pain you've been through. Are you someone others want to be around? Or have the hurts and the injustices of your life taken you out? Joseph decided to be happy. Joseph, in spite of what happened to him, decided to be happy. All right, here we see in verse 1 through 6, Joseph is on top of the world. On top of the world now. I mean, in charge of Potiphar's house, just given in, uh, you're in charge of everything here on top of the world. Be really, really careful right here. When life is going relatively good for you, be careful. Let me just tell you this real quick. People don't fall apart when life is bad. When life is bad, you run to God. When you get a bad doctor's report, you run to God. When you got something going on, you are running to God and you are praying and you're getting all of your friends to pray. Here's when you screw up. When life's pretty good. It's going on pretty good. Bills are kind of being paid. Things are happening pretty good. We're doing fairly well. That's when you are prime for an attack from the enemy. Verse 7. Joseph was very handsome, well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Okay, what position was Potiphar in? Think about it. Okay, pretty high guy, wasn't he? Do you think his wife was ugly? I'm just kind of reading between the lines. What do you think this wife looked like? Back then, if you were ugly, they just cut your head off. What? I mean, let me look. Okay. What kind of woman do you think Pot was married to right here? Would you say the best looking in the kingdom? No doubt. Okay. So you've got the main man's wife 
looking lustfully at you. Whoa! Are you kidding me? When times are good is when you better be careful. But Joseph refused. Come on, look, he told her. My master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He's held back nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept her out of the way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around. When he went in to do his work, she came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come and sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called to the servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his coat behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought to our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph, threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Wow. All right, let me ask you a question. You're Joseph, Potiphar's wife is begging you. Let me ask you a few questions. Would you like it? Are you kidding me? Yes. Would it be fun? Most fun you could ever have in the world. Would it feel good? It it doesn't feel any better. Where was God when your brother sold you into slavery? I mean, where was God? So to heck with God, absolutely, I'll go in with her. Here's what you got to do in life. You have to learn to see what sin costs. You have to learn to see what sin costs. See, we're not asking the right questions. Would it be fun? Would it feel good? Would I like it? Would it be enjoyable? That's not the question. The question is, how much does this cost? How much does this cost? I don't know if you've ever even seen one. I've seen a couple of those $240,000, $260,000 sports car. Any of you ever seen any of those? Do you want it? Sure. Sure you do. Would it be fun? You bet it'd be fun. I mean, zero to 100 in about a half a second. Would it thrill you? Absolutely it'd thrill you. Would you feel good driving it? You bet you would. And the truth is, You can have it. You, everybody in here, you could afford it and you can have it. Now, now just, you'd have to sleep on the ground because you wouldn't have a house. You wouldn't have to eat but one cracker a day because there's no money for food. There's no utilities. I hope you like the outfit you're wearing because you'll never buy any more clothes the rest of your life. There's no telephone. There's no, but you could afford this. You could afford this if you didn't eat but one cracker a day, wore these clothes, and slept on the ground. You could afford this. Well, then if you can afford it, why don't you get it? The reason you don't get it is because it would cost you too much. 
Yes, it would feel, it'd be fun. It'd be a blast driving that. But I don't want to... Are y'all getting this? I don't want to lose everything else in my life to have this one thing right here. The cost of that is too much. We do this every day of our life. You see something in the store, whether it be an outfit, whether it be a jacket, whether it be a pair of shoes, whether it be a new gun, whether it be a four-wheeler. I mean, whatever. We do this every day. When you walk, oh, I like that, and you walk over to it. What is the very first, first, very first thing you do? What do you do? You look at the price tag. All of us do. And you let the price tag immediately go, and you kind of stomp off and huff. Well, if you wanted it, if you liked it, why didn't you get it? Well, that's ridiculous. I'm not paying. Is this making sense to you? It's not whether it would feel good. It's not whether you want it. That's the wrong question. The question is, what would it cost me? And when you start asking, would this be fun about sin, you're asking the wrong question. What would this cost me? And until you learn to do that, in the good times in your life, sin will get you. Because it is fun. It does look good. It is attractive. But when you come to a place in your life where that's not the question, the question is, what would I give up to have that? How much would that cost? And is it worth that to me? That's the way you stand against sin. So much to learn about in Joseph's life as we are learning to manage our lives. Y'all stand with me. Do not miss next week. I've already got next week lined out, and I did not quite get to half of this week. Boy, next week we're really going to roll. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us. Lord, we learn life lessons as we learn to exert control over our attitudes, over those things in life that want to derail us. Lord, help us as we stand strong and we refuse to be drawn in by sin. Lord, we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and have a great week. You've been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com. 